Good evening. evening. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to all. My name is Elliot Munn, and I am the pastor here of the Virgins Congregational Church, an open and affirming congregation of the United Church of Christ. Know that whoever you are, wherever you are on life's journey, you're welcome here. I'd like to extend a special welcome to those worshiping with us for the first time, or maybe some of you who are worshiping with us for the first time in a long time, we're glad you're here. And if you'd like to stay in touch with us, if you like what you hear today, feel free to write your name and your email address on one of the pew cards and toss it in the offering plate, and we'll make sure to add you to our email address, or email. All right, I'm glad you're here, and man, tonight is a special night. We've got special music uh, with the choir, we've got special music with Julie, and we've got uh, Conlon Wimet uh, joining Julie on uh, Primo Piano. Tonight is a special night. So, I'm ready to feel the presence of God with us, and I hope you are too. Let us begin by rising in body or spirit for a call to worship. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. join me in prayer. Living God, on this holy night we gather to stand with shepherds amazed at your glory, to sing with angels rejoicing in your work, to wait with Joseph trusting in your promise, to sit with Mary cradling your love. May the good news of this night inspire us to the world for of our great joy. For to us is born a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Glory and praise to you forever. Amen.
Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to, pub to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to the fearful, to fearful had what had been spoken by the Lord through, through the prophet. Look, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as a wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son and named him Jesus. the word according to the Gospel of Luke. In those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn.
In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors.
Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In his symposium, the Athenian philosopher Plato tells the story of a group of men drinking wine and delivering speeches about love. The comedian Aristophanes oration traces back to the origin of human beings. He claimed there was once a time when people were round with four arms, four legs, and two heads. They were attached arm to arm, leg to leg, head to head, rolling across the earth like gymnasts. They delighted in their constant togetherness and were formidably strong. In fact, they became so confident in their strength that they threatened to displace the gods from Mount Olympus. To fend them off, Zeus sliced them in half like a fish, making two separate individuals from one. According to Plato, this separation is the root of love. He writes, love is born into every human being. It calls back the halves of our original nature. It tries to make one out of two and heal the wound of human nature. When a person meets the half that is their very own, they don't want to be separated from one another, not even for a moment. In short, love is the desire to be close. It is easy to dismiss this as an immature type of love. When we find young lovebirds who want to be with one another all the time, it's pretty grating. We have all had a friend who seemingly fell off the face of the earth because they fell in love. Just give it some time, we'd say to ourselves. Surely that sort of love will fade. And yet, even if we enjoy independence and self-actualization, there is something undeniably human about wanting to be close to the people we love. Um, AAA estimates that 112 Americans will travel more than 50 miles this holiday season. My guess is that most of those are folks traveling to be close. To loved ones. It's the reason we suffer the indignity of flying, long car rides, and crowded public transport at this busy and objectively terrible time of the year in the Northern Hemisphere to go anywhere. On the first Christmas, it wasn't love that brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. According to our story, the Roman Emperor Augustus forced people to travel to their hometowns for a census. It was a flex of his power 
to make his subjects travel, to register, to pay taxes, and join the army. Apparently, there was not even exceptions for pregnant families to avoid the travel. Given how violently the Romans enforced the emperor's whims, people from across the empire traveled not out of love, but out of fear. That's the only reason Mary and Joseph likely would have walked the approximately 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. We are used to hearing that Mary and Joseph's reception in Bethlehem was as loveless as their journey. We imagine an innkeeper turning them away because there's just no more room in the inn. We imagine the heartlessness in not accommodating the young couple in such a vulnerable time. We imagine the extra fear stacked on top of the already overwhelming worries that accompany an imminent birth. That may have been the case, but likely not. Those imaginings revolve around interpreting the word kataluma in Greek as in. The word, however, is better translated as guest room. There was likely none of what we think of as hotels or inns in Bethlehem. What people did have was a guest room or a second room in their house because for the most part, the whole family slept in one room together during those times. It is more grounded in the text to imagine no room in the guest room because it was overflowing with Joseph's family who traveled to Bethlehem for the census, just like Mary and Joseph. Luke is not trying to depict a scene in which Jesus is born into cold indifference. In fact, Jesus was likely not even born outside, but rather the main room in the house because there was no room in the guest room. Jesus is surrounded by love, the love of people eager to be close to him at his birth. He was not laid in a manger out of poverty, but out of expedience. I mean, how many of you have just an extra cradle in your house? Nevertheless, there was no shortage of loving arms to cuddle him. And I can imagine the manger offering a place for the baby to finally rest. Shortly after, the shepherds came eager to love on Jesus. They wanted to be close to him because they could not help but love him after what they heard. The angel announced to them, good news of great joy for all people, that this baby would be the world's savior, Messiah, and king. He was, prom he was the promised one for whom they had waited for centuries his very presence was a balm to a wound that had never fully healed in the hearts of the people. They were hopelessly in love with him before they ever met him. No wonder the shepherds rushed from the fields when they heard the news. 
And still, there is an even greater love yet, that we have yet to mention. And that's God's loving desire to be close to the world. From the very beginning, God created the world to love. Not to fill a need, but as an outpouring of the love that makes God who God is in the first place. God then so wanted to be close to us that God humbled God's self to become a human being. Unlike the love that Plato describes, this yearning for closeness does not come from absence, but fullness. God's is so full of love that God wants to share it. Jesus' very being is hopelessly in love with each and every one of us and yearns to be with us. That is why he comes, to be close and to share his love with his beloved. The weather of the last few days has brought many of us back to basics. You know, we need some place that's warm to stay. We need food to eat. We need water to drink. You know, the sweeping electrical outages has put the basic necessities into question for thousands of people, including many here in Vermont. While I was fortunate to not lose any of those things, it made me grateful for these necessities. And another one that I would add is being close to those we love. We long to share our love with them, and it makes our hearts hurt when they are gone, regardless of, of whether they are out of state or whether they have passed on. And yet the good news on this Christmas Eve is that we have a God who comes to us and connects through love, connects us to the loved ones we hold dear. The joy we may feel in having our loved ones close will endure. The pain we feel in their absence will end. That is the power of God's love who comes to us on Christmas. So it was, so it is, and so it will be forever. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Holy God, what an amazing night this is to be together. We gather to sing, light candles, and tell the story of a tiny baby, God's greatest gift of hope for a world sorely afraid. To do so in this space beautifully decorated for the celebration of the Christ child is what our hearts need tonight. It is a blessing that we do not take for granted. While your devotion, O oh God, knows no boundaries, 
The story of your unfolding love is at the same time beautifully and wonderfully specific, full of particularity and detail. Zechariah and Elizabeth, Mary and Joseph, John and Gabriel, shepherds living in the fields outside of Bethlehem, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger, and called Jesus. Your sacred story is good news for all. And yes, that includes every one of us. You come in the Christ child out of an abundance of love for us. And still we feel as if we are not enough. We doubt our worth. We wonder if our world is too broken. And still the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Compassionate God, shine the light of your love on all of those in need tonight. Sick in mind, body, or spirit. Hungry with empty stomachs. The cold with no warm place to stay. The lonely, longing for companionship. Children desperate for safe space to grow and thrive. Our earth struggling to maintain its equilibrium. Bind up the wounds of our brokenness and show us a better way to love. Above all else, let your goodness of great joy enter every heart because you have not abandoned us. You are with us. Through the spirit of Jesus Christ, the child, in whose name we pray, our creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you.
Our first two readings, or three readings, from Matthew and Luke were narratives. The story from Matthew told the story of Jesus' birth from Joseph's perspective. And the story in Luke set a much broader perspective, putting us in the context of empire and a journey, a family-making, an unnecessary but nevertheless incredible journey. What we hear in the Gospel of John is poetry, metaphysics, an invitation to think with a different part of our brain. So let us open our our ears, our minds, and hearts to the word of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Through him all things came into being, and without him not a single thing came into being. What was coming into being was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might come to believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came as a witness to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens all people, was coming into the world. The world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to those who received him and believed in the power of his name, he gave power to become children of God. For not of blood or of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a parent's only child, full of grace and truth. Friends, the light of Christ is a gift for all and each of us directly from the heart of God. Merry Christmas.
Go forth from this place and let your light shine. And may the light of Christ guide your steps each and every way of the journey. Amen.